City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Eric O'Donnell is preaching through Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, and the sermon title is, Who is to Judge? We hope you are blessed by the message today. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 12. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord, saints. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, it's been a while since I've been up here, and... uh, Thankful to be up here. Oh, thank you, Joel. Um, I guess I'll introduce myself. I see some new faces, and uh, so I'm. My name's Eric. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, the executive pastor. I've been here for five years, uh, alongside with Joel, and and uh, I get the privilege to come up here every every once in a while, and uh, and and so. I'm just thankful for the honor to do this, and um, we are going to continue in a series that we've been in. Of course, I don't remember the exact name of the series, but I can tell you what it's about. Is it up there? Rightly handling the truth. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> um, so it's uh, basically taking the taking scriptures um, that are commonly misunderstood, and uh, and then we're examining them uh, to bring out. The truth of God's word. Um, we read, we, I mean, we read a good chunk of Matthew 7 here. There's a lot in this, right? Uh, so much so, there could probably be a, a few other messages that continue on from this. So we're going to focus on one section uh, of the scriptures that were read today, and that will be Matthew 7, 1 through 6. The reason we read all the way to 12 is that it does bring in additional context to help us understand the scriptures that we're going over today. Um, I think that it's important for us to diligently divide the God's word rightly, that we would examine even the teachings that would come from this pulpit, that you would take the scriptures and you would examine them yourselves and, uh, and find God's truth, and that by 
uh, doing this as brothers and sisters, a part of one body, um, we, would, we would address one another if something wasn't correct, right? This is the, the body's uh, responsibility is to hold this, this pulpit, right, in, um, uh, to God's word. Just as we are here uh, as your pastors and anyone that is called to teach a message is that we would hold God in his reverence to share God's scriptures with you and his truth, and, uh, and that uh, the word would wash over us, the word would grow us. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. The message of today's, uh, the title of today's sermon is, uh, Who is to Judge? And the first, the first verse is, Judge. Um, judge not that you be not judged. This is a, is a common, very commonly quoted passage, probably right up there next to uh, John 3.16. Um, but I think this is often one uh, that is used uh, not just inside the church, but also outside the church. One that's often used as an argument to call Christians to not be able to judge those around them. Um, so we're going to just try to get a good understanding of, of why it's used, right? That first one, nobody wants to be judged. It doesn't feel good to be judged, <clears throat> but in telling someone that you're judging me or I'm judging you is actually doing the same exact thing, right? You're actually putting judgment on that other person. And so what we commonly hear is love, don't judge, right? There are churches that even spew this crap, that we should just love. We should just love and not judge anything or anyone. Uh, and it's a, it's a, the, this scripture is used to justify sin and self-righteousness. Uh, and it's, it's terrible because it destroys churches. It destroys the, the very authority of God's word. Um, and, uh, and allows the church to basically let sin run rampant because there's no accountability if there is no judgment. <clears throat> um, it's, uh, and I would say finally it's used in a way to universally accept all lifestyles. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Uh, but... This understanding, uh, should, we, should we accept this meaning? We should not. We're going to throw that out, and we're going to examine the scriptures here um, by first uh, reading a parallel passage uh, from Luke 6, 37 through 40. Um, I'll give you a minute to, to turn there, but keep a finger in Matthew. We're going to try to be, I'm going to try to stay with Matthew, but I'm going to bring up a lot of scriptures today. Uh, so don't necessarily try to race around and, and stay with me, because some of them will just be single verses, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'll talk about them. But um, uh, there'll be times I'll let you have the time to, to turn with me so we can look in our, in our Bibles together. So if everyone's in, uh, in Luke with me, let's, uh, let's read this. Uh, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, 
shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to gather us together, Lord, to just bestow your your written word, Lord, on our hearts. Let it pour over us. Let your understanding come to our minds, Lord. Every word in this book tells of your character and have you abundantly provided for us everything we need in Jesus Christ. Father, we confess that our understanding is always growing, that you are always working in us, Lord. You graciously and abundantly have given us your wisdom. So God, work on our hearts. As we dive into your word today, removing any sense of my person and my flesh, Lord, from what you would have to say today from your word. But rather, Lord, expose your truth as we seek to draw from your understanding. Lord, help us to be humble and expecting that your word would affect our own hearts. Amen. Okay. So now we've kind of talked about, I would say, the worldly view um, or the misunderstood view. Uh, let's just bring some context uh, to this scripture. So Matthew chapter 7 is, uh, is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus has gone through and he's addressed uh, a multitude of inward spiritual things. Um, you know, you could, if you've got your Bibles open, feel free. You can take a look back. Um, he talks about uh, the salt and the light, um, giving to the needy, uh, you know, like a, a multitude of heart issues. Um, and uh, even addresses anxieties. Um, he addresses the authority of God's word. But in Matthew chapter 7, he kind of switches gears as he closes up in his sermon, and he is addressing how we should relate to others. Um, All right. Uh, So who is it that he's speaking to? Who is at the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, It was ton of crowds, right? His disciples were there. Uh, We know that there were Pharisees that that followed around. Uh, It was just, it was great crowds. Uh, So he is speaking to the people and uh, specifically addressing problems uh, in this this section of scripture, this specific problem with the religious authority and the self-righteousness uh, that's been practiced through, through the land. <clears throat> uh, generally, he, it's a critical spirit that he's addressing here. He's stemming from the Pharisees and the way that um, 
they've created these laws uh, or rules and uh, ways of living, um, everything that, I mean, and it's well organized. It was uh, organized, it was rationalized, it was logical, philosophical even, but it was mainly done in, uh, in defense of righteousness, their own righteousness. Uh, but what this did was it put an oppression over the people. See, one of the things that we're all inclined to do, even if you're not the neatest person and maybe you were the farthest from being OCD, uh, is humans love systems. It doesn't matter what you look at. It, it could be a, uh, an individual uh, that's self-employed to uh, any large corporation. It could be some invention systems, right? People love systems. We love to put things in order. We like to make things logical. We like to rationalize, it, you know, and we like to put all these things together. And this is exactly what the Pharisees did, only they did it with God's law by adding to it. I think that verse 1, judge not that you not be judged, was summed up in the second half of the first verse in Luke, was that to judge, specifically what Christ is talking about, was to condemn. Now, I'm going to make a distinction here as we go along, because in a sense, we are called to judge, but not like this. So let me say that, and, uh, and then we'll get back around to that. <clears throat> so Jesus is speaking directly against these practices, public and private, um, of, of judgment, the, the pharisaical governance over the people. And what they were doing was they were taking, they were taking these rules, they were taking these uh, uh, rituals and... Uh, ways of living, and they were openly uh, ridiculing those that they found in contempt of these man-made systems that they've put in place. See, Judaism that was practiced in first century, and I would argue that this still exists today, is not the biblical Judaism that Moses taught. See, they still had God's law, and God's law is, law is good. But over time, what happened was they, they took the law, and they wrote commentaries, right? They drew conclusions from God's law and wrote up their own to go along with it. Now, I say go along with it. The main idea was to actually build a hedge or a defense around God's law, that if they practiced all of these things that they come up with and they made everyone else do it, then maybe, maybe people wouldn't break God's law. You see what I'm saying? All right. So this happened, uh, and this was uh, the, the uh, this happened twice. 
So there was a, uh, the first system put in place to build this hedge, and then later on there was a second one that was, that was put in place. And these both have, these both have names, and I'm going to tell you about them here. Uh, together combined, uh, in, uh, in all of God's law, Jews would say that, uh, that that is the Torah, right? Now, we look at the Torah, and we see that's God's law. We look at the first five books of the Bible. Um, but in Judaism, there is a second part to that. In fact, that second part is split into two. This, the first hedge is called the Mishnah, which is a, a collection of, uh, of rules or laws or, I would even say, translations uh, from God's law where they started building this hedge. And then the second one uh, is called, it's here in my notes, the Jamara. Now, I am, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a scholar in these things by any means, uh, but by doing some quick research, uh, most of you can validate that these things are true, that there is an oral Torah, uh, and, and that this oral Torah is this hedge of defense of God's law that, that the Jews would use uh, to try to help people from not breaking God's law. But there's a problem with that, is that this is a man-made system, and it is not perfect like God's law. Just as we would go to a commentary to maybe try to get additional context, additional understanding, maybe read a book, maybe from an author that we love and we trust, it's not scripture. So can we take that understanding or that perspective that, that the word actually does not say, and can we apply that as law? No, we can't, we can't do that. So, yes, I am speaking out directly against the oral Torah, and that this is what the Pharisees used to oppress, uh, to oppress the people um, and hold them to uh, just some really crazy, heavy, heavy things. And um, maybe just a good example here, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's bring up Matthew 15.2. You don't have to turn there. Uh, this will just be a quick one. I'll read it. Um, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. I don't see in here that I have to wash my hands and then I'd be breaking God's law if I did so. But... If you were to go and look into uh, this ritual, uh, there are so many aspects to this. They would, take, they would take this idea of washing hands before eating, which I don't know if you all agree. Feel free to raise your hand. It's probably a good idea to wash your hands before you eat, right? Yeah? I'm the only one. It's okay. <laughs> um, but see, they would take these ideas, and then they would start splitting hairs, Right? And so you, if you were to go and research Judaism ritual hand washing, you were going to find a multitude of reasons and whens and hows 
uh, before you can do a lot of things. And I'm just talking about eating as one of them. And this is specifically used here and referenced in Matthew 15.2. I've got a good story here. Uh, it's, it's one that's been told many times. I've heard it in other teachings, uh, and I can't remember the rabbi's name, but um, just give some context to the understanding of, of how this, these rituals um, are, are used to oppress is <clears throat> there was a rabbi that was jailed. You may have heard this before. He was in jail, and one of the guardsmen thought that they were getting too, he was getting too much water. Uh, this is a true story. You, you can look it up. I'm sorry I don't have the guy's name uh, right handy. Um, but uh, the guard one day said, nope, that's too much, and he poured some of the water out and gave it to, or had the servant give it to the, to the rabbi, and the rabbi said uh, that this is enough for washing, but not enough to drink. And, uh, and so he, he refused to break the traditions of the scribes, right, and was willing to just wash his hands and to not drink until death, Right? Like, holding these things up so high. <clears throat> the Pharisees were just very harsh, harsh judges. Um, I know I'm driving that point home, but it is, it is uh, extremely important for us to get a good understanding of judgment. Because these things weren't like, yeah, you sinned, you know, re- repent. It was public ridicule, look at us, we don't do these things. Um, and when they were called out on, on one of their own laws, they had loopholes built in. They came up with these ideas where, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to actually give my mother and father, you know, this, this money because God needed it more was their, their excuse, right? Uh, this example is in scripture, right? And they're able to find loopholes through all of these laws and rituals and, and, and things, and, and they would hold everyone else to them. Um, this is what gave such fear against the Pharisees uh, watching over your home or getting word, right? They would spread gossip all over, right? And then what would happen? What happens when you have... Uh, uh, a religious authority over people like this is that then they start doing the same thing to one another. And so Jesus is speaking against all of this by saying, stop judging your neighbor. Stop condemning one another. I do want to say that this is, uh, this is actually a very similar um, I guess it, it's, in, it's in, in contrast, I guess, in parallel, in parallel to uh, the protest of the Protestant church against the Catholic church. Now, I don't want to go down this whole rabbit trail, but when we place systems over people that aren't God's law, right, but we're holding tradition and we're holding uh, uh, a man's interpretation as authority over scripture, right, we've got a problem. 
we've got a problem because then man's word becomes above God's, God's word. <clears throat> All right. I already talked about that. Sorry. Let's, uh, let's, move on to, let's move on to this next section. All right, so yeah, so this, uh, this is actually, uh, you know, it's a matter of the heart. Obviously, Jesus is trying to speak directly into the heart of the people that are there. And, uh, and this is something that we're not actually, we haven't escaped from. Um, you know, I know the room is filled with many saints, but I'll be the first to admit, I judge. I judge. And I'm not excusing myself from that. And I'll say, neither should you. <clears throat> so we should listen to what Jesus says about judgment and then about the types of judgment that we are often found guilty of. Um, and so in this, I would ask, you know, as we examine this, just examine your own heart. Examine your own heart in these things uh, because sometimes it's just a thought, right? Sometimes it's something we spit out of our mouth, but, you know, Matthew 12, 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, we're often quick, quick to speak. Um, not, not wanting to listen, not wanting to gather all of the details. Um, but who is it that can judge a soul? It's God. God is the only one that can judge a soul. So if we go and we take the seat of judgment to condemn brothers and sisters, condemn the world? Are we not taking God's throne from him? I think we are. I think we are. Because he is the only perfect judge. His law, it stands, it stands on its own. It already, it already condemns all humanity. Does it not? We can't live up to that. We, can't, we cannot fulfill the law completely, can we? No. We can't. And that's why we need Jesus, right? There's one judge, and his law is perfect. Now, just a sidetrack here for a second. Because there is one judge and because there's one perfect law, it doesn't, it doesn't throw out the laws of our courts, the laws of our nations. Um, those things are clearly outlined in Romans 13, if you wish to examine those further. <clears throat> As each authority that's over us has been appointed by God and is his servant. And I think that's important for us to remember because I think that in this day and age, we witness a lot of injustice um, from these authorities. Uh, and yes, I know we should be praying for our authorities. Um, but it doesn't mean that they don't have that authority and that it hasn't been appointed. Now, if an authority does something that is against God's law, 
Yes, it's an injustice. If someone is condemned to death by the courts and they were innocent, will not God make it right? He will. But that doesn't invalidate the court. I think that's all I'll I'll say on that. Let's look at Luke 18, 1 through 8. And we're going to come back to this uh, page in in a little bit, so feel free to keep a finger there. All right. Sounds like most people are there. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, find, will he find faith on earth? Yes, God will bring justice because he is a God of justice. He is the God of perfect justice. <clears throat> uh, Romans 12 I know, I'm going to do a bunch of scriptures here. Uh, Romans 12, 17 through 19. Repay no, repay no one evil for evil, but give the thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And that's quoting from Deuteronomy 32-35. All right. So now that we've kind of gone through the judge and and judge not, verse 2 says, For the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you. So this is clearly just a, a warning from Christ to the people, to us, to not be quick to judge. For the way that we judge, we will be judged. <clears throat> I really think this is Christ telling us not to condemn. Right? Um, I know I think, of, I think of how just sharing of the gospel, just taking God's word out these walls, that it itself it condemns humanity that we can't fulfill those things, right? Like, what are the wages of sin? Death. That's right. The wages of sin is death. So, I think it's 
it's, uh, it's just important for us to remember that as we, as those thoughts come to our mind, to hold them captive, right? Words of Apostle Paul, hold each thought captive. Um, don't be quick to speak. Don't be quick to cast that judgment. <clears throat> All right. You guys still in Luke? All right. Luke 18. All right. Before I read that, I just, I just want to say that we're often... Um, kind of just speaking about our own hearts, that uh, I think that it's natural for us. It's natural for us to gravitate towards self-righteousness. Um, and we get to recognize that that is a critical spirit. And I don't mean by some, like, strange spirit. Like, it's ours, right? It's something that we own. Um, It isn't, it isn't easy to always recognize that. And I would say that even though we would often mean well, especially going to a brother or sister, um, we ought to examine our own hearts first. Otherwise, I think we're painted in the following picture on the opposite side of where we'd like to be. So let's read. Luke 18, verse 9 through 14. He also told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, thus prayed, God, thank you that I am not like other men extortioners and unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing off, off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I think sometimes we find ourselves in the Pharisee's shoes rather than the tax collector's shoes. As we're going to get into the next few verses, I think we need to really make sure that we're putting ourselves in that tax collector's shoes uh, before we try to help someone else. Otherwise, we're building our own righteousness in that. You guys tracking with me? Yeah. I think that, I think that it is good for the Christian to, in their self-examination and realization of either self-righteousness or sin, right? We often feel guilty Right? Especially when God reveals that to us and we have that conviction in our heart. <clears throat> I'm not saying that we need to hold on to guilt, but it definitely gives us a right view of where we are and where God is. 
And that in that brokenness that we have, we should seek the mercy of God. I've heard, um, and I think that this is a, a biblical theme, especially through the, uh, through the Old Testament, uh, and so this is one that's universal between Christianity and, and Judaism, is that there are two measures of God's judgment, right? There's his wrath, and there's his mercy. <clears throat> and we should be we should be quick to seek his mercy, right? By, by grace alone, right? That, that we are saved. It's not by our own doing. Austin was just up here talking about, you know, just uh, sometimes that feeling of wanting to do things to try to, you know, I would say even just, it's building our own righteousness, right? Trying to keep our salvation, Right? That means we're holding ourselves to a standard that we can't, we can't even live up to. Our standard is that we need Christ. Our standard is Jesus, Christ alone. Just as we mentioned earlier, Scripture alone, just as we mentioned now, God's grace alone. And to his glory, right? Amen? <clears throat> All right. Verses 3 through 5. Let's read these together in our main text, Matthew Seven, three through five. Why do you see the speck? <laughs> Thanks, brother. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Man, what, what amazing, like, maybe this isn't the right word, like, allegory, right, or an imagery that, that Christ paints here. You know, if you, you think about it, like, just look up, you know. I know these are steel beams, but, you know, there are buildings that are built like this with logs, right? And just imagine one of these things, like, sticking out of somebody's eye everywhere they're walking around. You're going to be running into walls and doors. You're going to look like a fool, right? <clears throat> Let me help you with this, Joel. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Just, Christ, man, Christ is so, so good. So, God is so good to give us, uh, you know, these pictures that, um, that help us to remember, right? And, uh, and what a great picture for us to be reminded, to humble ourselves, to examine ourselves first. Um, <clears throat> but when we have that log in our own eye, and we want to help our brother, we want to help our sister, um, we need to be as quick to give as we seek the mercies of God for ourselves, right? Let me say that again. So we need to be quick, as quick as we seek God's mercy, to be just as quick to give it. And I think when we are doing that, then we're, we're actually fulfilling exactly what Jesus said in verse 1. Because that judgment, if there are those two measurements, right, that judgment is coming with God's mercy. And I think if we are, are truly to follow after Christ and we're looking at the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did on the cross, 
then his blood has paid for these things already. And he'll lead us in the direction of not only being able to remove that ridiculous log from our own eye, uh, but also the tiny speck from our brother and sister. Which I think also brings us to just a different sense of heart towards our brother and sister. See, church, this is, this is, this is really meant for us. It really is. But I know, and I've been guilty of this, is that we often want to take our preferences and we want to lay that as, as law on others. I just think we need to be careful when we start gleaning our own personal convictions and things that aren't Scripture. Now, I know that we can glean things from, from Scripture and gain a deeper understanding, and on our journeys with Christ, we will come to maturity in different areas of our Christian walk. And so I don't mean to dismiss those things, but let me just list a few things that we should be most careful of. Let's stir that pot a little bit. Um, alcohol. Smoking, clothing, parenting. I heard giggles. <laughs> yeah. Music. And I know, I know that I could go on and I could go on, but these things are either personal convictions or their preference. And so... I would say, church, warning, if it's of things like this, things that are not specifically called out in Scripture, sure, is there a way to lead a brother or a sister uh, you know, towards a biblical view and a way to deal with the things that I listed or any other multitude of things that aren't black and white right here, a command from Jesus? Yes, there's a way to do that, but not in a way where we say, Look, I don't do that. That's not my thing. You've got to do it this way. You're sinning. Because are they? Or is what you said actually self-righteousness? Are you building up yourself? Are you becoming pious? Right? <clears throat> now, like I said, I want to be careful. I do want to be careful on that because I think that there is something to be said about taking different themes uh, that scripture does talk about and even uh, allows us to glean towards a, a, a deeper understanding and we can become more mature in those things. Um, uh, so please hear me in that, that I'm not just saying, um, you know, uh, some, of these, some of these titles, right? It's, it's holding these things as law. I guess that's, that's what I'm saying. Is don't hold these things as laws uh, towards one another. Um, and because when we do that, if we do these things in self-righteousness, then, like I mentioned earlier, are we not taking the throne of God for ourselves? If you're claiming, if you're claiming such things, and, and that, then that's exactly what you're doing. The final judgment on the soul is not the place 
of the Christian. Now, there, there will be a time when we sit on a seat of judgment, but not on this earth. It'll be, made, it'll be for us when we're made perfect, when we're with Christ, right? Amen? All right. So who are we to cast judgment, condemn or criticize? Let's look at Romans 14.4. You don't have to turn it up. We'll have it up here. If you guys are quick, feel free. But um, we are done in Luke. <laughs> if you still get a finger there. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. <clears throat> now let's talk a little bit about the judgments that we should be making. We've talked a lot about the judgments we shouldn't make, which lead to condemnation and self-righteousness, but we should also judge, should we not? We should. There are distinctions that we make. Have you heard of the term discernment? Yep. And there will be those that say, Jesus says, judge not. And I'll say, so what? Because I'm not going to send, I'm not going to say that they're condemned to hell. Right? No, I'm going to point them to the cross. My judgment is, a differenti- is differencing that you are not a follower of Christ, and I am, by one example, right? If we go to a brother or a sister, right, um, we, should still, we should still bring judgments. Is someone not growing in the direction that they should? Are they being led astray? John 7.24 says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. By doing this, we actually fulfill the accountability towards one another. We fulfill our accountability towards Christ. And we regard one another unto Christ. We just must be careful not to extend our judgments past what is written, right? God doesn't need you to take his word and condemn someone else. He doesn't. But to point someone to his word and let his word work on them. Is that not the very thing that we do with the gospel? We not take the gospel to all the nations and we share God's law And then we share the beauty of the cross and the message of salvation. It's exactly what we're supposed to do. So by example, we are called to that accountability. I said that already. Sorry. Let me skip down here. At least I haven't gotten ahead of myself. (laughs) I don't know if any of you, a side note here for a second, any of you guys ever do like brain mapping or like you're sitting down to do a study and you're just like, oh yeah, what a great idea and you write this down and you write this down. It was, maybe this isn't quite as funny as I was thinking it was. (laughs) But uh, as I was doing my studies, I had this piece of paper and I'm just like jotting stuff down all over the place. And um, 
in my brain, like linear, linear thinking, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's like a spider web all over my paper, right? I've like written here, jotted like scriptures down, and I've got lines going all over the place. And then I get to the point where I got to put it down on, in a linear form, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so the same thing happens to me when I'm standing up here. <clears throat> uh, yes. Oh, man. Thank you, saints, for your grace and your patience. Um, it, like I said, it's a joy to be up here and, and to do this and, um, and share God's word. Um, all right. So that's 11.35. I th- uh, I'm going to skip down to, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip this next section, but I'm going to encourage you guys uh, to take this home. So if you're taking notes, um, Read 1 Corinthians 4. Um, one of the things that Paul did not shy away from doing was discerning and judging, but judging rightly. And, uh, and just, like I said, for the sake of time, um, take that scripture home and, and read it. But in the last verse, he says, What do you wish? that I shall come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness, right? And that should be, I mean, a rod, that's pretty harsh, right? And that's what he's, that's what he's saying is if with the rebuke that he has given the, the church of Corinth, if these things aren't corrected, I am going to come sternly and show you the word of God how to follow after Christ, and I'm going to point out what you're doing and how that's wrong. That what you're producing is bad fruit. <clears throat> so regard the words that I've sent you and produce good fruit. I'm totally just, I'm, yeah, my commentary. Commentary of Eric. <clears throat> so yeah, He makes these judgments. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So shouldn't we extend that same mercy that we extend to ourselves, that mercy of God, that in the right moments, like when, when we know, like I know that we tell ourselves these things, but... There's like a moment. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's a moment when it just strikes you and you're like, even though you're fighting the doubts or you're holding guilt over yourself, and it's not that you're not guilty of whatever it might be, but there's a sweet moment, right? There's a sweet moment when you understand the mercy of God that has been given to you through the blood of Christ. So it's that, it's that that we need to bring to one another. As we reprove one another. So, to recap, this is the teaching that, that Christ is bringing to us. It's to beware of that critical, critical spirit. Because we're often blinded to this. Right? The blind leading the blind over back in Luke. 
Let's not be the blind leading the blind. Let's not fall into a pit. But instead, let's fulfill that golden rule, right? Which is actually further down in chapter 7. It's uh, verse 12, if you're still there. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Praise God. Praise God. All right. All right, so I'm going to move to the last, uh, the last verse here uh, in, in my closing. We still got a little bit here, but then after that we'll, uh, we'll go into communion. <clears throat> Jesus starts off in verse 6 with a warning, right? He first is, he's now addressed all of this judgment and, and how we shouldn't be conceited, shouldn't be self-righteous, uh, uh, instead points us towards uh, helping one another by first making sure that our own hearts, our own sin is taken care of. Um, and, and I want to say, I, I don't think that mean, Jesus means don't speak to your brother or sister uh, until you're perfect, until you've got the, you know, your sin under, under, put it behind yourself, right? I think that there are many things that we can all learn with one another by actually bearing with one another. And I know that that's scriptural, right? To bear with one another. And I think that we need to keep that in mind, that this is the meaning behind the taking the log out of our own eye and then going to our brother and taking the speck out of his All right, verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy. I probably could have done a whole sermon on these last two. <laughs> uh, one thing, if you've heard any of my messages in the past, I, t- I, love, I love diving into a lot of the historical, the context. Like, uh, I enjoy teaching. I'll definitely, I'll say that I enjoy teaching. When we were, you know, walking through uh, the teaching series that we did, I think there were Wednesdays, I think we, uh, you know, doing stuff like that, that is kind of my passion. And, uh, and so the Lord definitely works on me to bring me up here on these things because uh, it, during that week, it, it's just different. It's different in that I, I really see like a work of my own heart as I, as I examine God's scriptures and bring these things uh, before you all. Uh, and so it can be hard sometimes to set aside the things that my passions are, are kind of for and I want to get into and, and expose and, and really like jump on when it's not really needed. <laughs> um, uh, but dogs. Dogs in... Uh, <laughs> I love dogs. Anybody else love dogs? All right, all right. We got some dog lovers. Um, so first century, or even before the first century, um, uh, dogs were looked at uh, a few different ways because there were dogs, there were working dogs, um, 
uh, for sheep herders and stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, uh, when dogs are referenced, they're often referenced as uh, vile creatures. Um, and, and I think that from my understanding and my research, uh, in, in, uh, in Jerusalem and in the cities uh, where many people were gathered, there were many dogs. But these dogs weren't like your pets. Now, there were pet dogs. Don't, don't get me wrong. There were pet dogs in that time. But there were many wild dogs. And, uh, and so often the reference to dogs, especially through Scripture, tends to be the meaning of these wild dogs and the way that they, the way that they acted, the things that they ate. They were just, they were unclean. Um, they were vile. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, even those that, that uh, if you're a dog lover and you have dogs or you grew up with a dog or you've had any experience with dogs, um, they can be so wonderful and awesome, and even if they don't listen, like, they can still be just, you know, a, a wonderful companion. But then you give them a meat bone, and they turn into the devil. <laughs> Not literally, but... Um, <clears throat> Try to take that meat bone away, right? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing the, the flip in their, uh, in their personality, right? Uh, they become vile and vicious. <clears throat> and, and so what Jesus is, is saying about these dogs, where he says, do not give the dogs what is holy, what is, what is it? That, that these people would have that is holy? Any guesses? The word. Amen. It's God's word. The things of God's word are holy. Most of these people, they didn't have access to go get holy things out of a temple, right? They didn't have objects sitting in their house, or they shouldn't have, right? That would have been idol worship. <clears throat> that were holy Instead, uh, God's talking about, Jesus is talking about, um, to not give the word of God to those who are just going to tear it up. Now, I think specifically because it's referenced further down in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, a type of dog. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And it's, it's interesting he uses the dogs first and then goes to the swine because he's talking about two different uh, types of people here. Uh, and the first one would be more of those that are closer to you. And so in the context of, of the church, uh, this, could be, this could be false prophets. This could be false teachers. Um, it could be even uh, a false convert that, uh, that, won't, that won't listen to even a loving reproof, a loving rebuke, but would actually tear God's word to shreds. <clears throat> and, uh, and so th I believe that that's, that's this warning that Jesus is giving us of not giving 
uh, to those that would take God's word and just throw it back in our face or tear it to shreds um, and, and not regard it as something that is good. Um, <clears throat> then he moves on to pearls and swine. Don't throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Uh, swine were, were clearly unclean. You know, they couldn't eat them. They couldn't touch them. Um, I, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that even if, like, you touched a pig, like, you were considered unclean. Uh, it was, uh, pigs were, like, the lowest of the low, right? We even see in uh, this, uh, um, in, in the gospel, I think it's in John, where uh, Jesus casts the legion of demons you guys follow me? Cast the legion of demons into the pigs, right? Uh, they were vile, vile creatures. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and the way that they're vile is that they're always hungry, right? They're always ravenous. If you've ever had pigs or been around pigs, uh, you know that at any time they'll eat anything you have. Um, and, uh, and they'll, they'll pretty much devour whatever you give them. Um, but imagine walking up to a pig pen at the time of their normal feeding with a bucket. And in the bucket, you had pearls. A thing in this time period that would have been very precious, right? They didn't have oyster farms. They, like... The way that they were finding pearls was pretty much by luck, right? They weren't growing them. And, uh, and so to have even a, a small number of pearls, these things would have been extremely, extremely valuable. <clears throat> now you take that bucket of pearls and you dump it into the pig trough. But first to get to that trough, you've got to be standing in the pig pen with them. <clears throat> Can you imagine what a pig might do after they put one of those pearls in their mouth and found that they couldn't eat it and it was dinner time? They're going to turn on you. They're going to turn on you and, and they're going to they're try to tear you apart. <clears throat> so in the context of the church, uh, we would take this as an understanding of... Uh, of those that we bring the gospel to. I do want to be careful here because I think that there is something to be said about those that we love, those that we're near, the places that God has us in our communities, uh, our employment, etc., 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 that um, there's something to be said about sharing the gospel and continuing to share the gospel. God makes opportunities, and there are times when uh, the gospel is refused, uh, it's ignored, uh, and then years later, God will save one of those people, right? And we rejoice. Right? So there's something to be said about being consistent. But at the same time, there's something to be said about those that would take 
God's word and the things that we consider as holy and precious, right? Eternal life. Jesus, his life here, his example, any scripture, any scripture that speaks to your heart, you think those are pearls, right? Those are precious. In the moments of trouble, trial, anxiety, right? We seek God's word and it brings peace, it brings joy. We experience a love that is unlike any earthly love. And so, in this scripture, Jesus is saying, don't take those pearls and give it to those who are just going to chew it up and attack you. See, when the disciples went out the first time to share the good news of Jesus while he was still on this earth, what did he tell them? He sent them, and he said, take nothing with you, no provision, and go to, go to the cities uh, or the villages, and anyone that turns you away, wipe the dust off your feet. That's right. <clears throat> And go to, the next, go to the next town. So that's why I wanted to preface this with just being careful in the places that God has us because we are witnesses in those areas. And those are areas that we are going to be all the time. But if we are to go out and we share the gospel in different places, are we to continue to spend the time of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to those who won't receive it at all, when there are millions on this earth that have never heard it. I think that puts it in great clarity and perspective. Yeah, we continue to share the gospel, but where are we wasting our time? Because that's, Jesus is saying, don't waste your time. All right. So I guess the things that we take away from this are let's bring the gospel to one another. Let's apply it to ourselves and to our brothers and to our sisters. Let's set aside self-righteousness and condemnation as it is not a part of the Christian walk. And that we beware of the dogs that seek to devour and the pigs that would want to take the things that we hold dear and cast them aside, cast them underfoot. All right. All right, church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for, thank you for your word, Lord. Um, I'm so thankful that uh, your word doesn't, doesn't go forth and not have not have any uh, application or, or not do any work, Lord. It is so powerful, God. And I am so thankful for that because, Lord, I know that I'm hard-headed. And, uh, and Lord, I, I need you to continue to work on my own heart, Lord. Would you take these things that, that we've gone through today, Lord, just take your truth, Lord. Apply it to our hearts today, God.
Help us to go forth, Lord, with peace and with the joy of Christ, with the gospel on our lips, wherever we go. Lord, let it be taught to the, taught to the nations. Help us not to be wasteful of our time, Lord, but to be intentional. Help us to be watchful over the deposit that you've given us. Lord, that, that we would seek you, seek to know you more. Lord, that, that you would become magnified in us and most glorified. Um, Lord, we thank you for your, your good word today. Um, yeah. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more messages from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next week.